0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. A couple of things. I uh, woke up a little bit before my alarm today. Are you guys... Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's Bravo or like drink less caffeine. Um... It wasn't too Yeah, right? It's not winter. Um, So I kind of rolled over at one point to look at the clock on my phone. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll just get up. What I didn't realize was how close I already was to the edge of the bed. Uh, And I rolled out right onto the floor. And the best part is Duncan and I were just laughing about the night before He's like, when you get up before me, it's like a dinosaur is in the house. Like, kunk, kunk, Here's what happens. The more, the more quiet I try to be, I get nervous and really clumsy, and I am dropping stuff, and I spill the coffee everywhere. So, I, of course, of course, right after that conversation, I kunk, right onto the bedroom floor. He's like, what's happened? Are you okay? The one time, the guy tries to sleep past 4.30, and I ruin it for him. So, that's my morning. You guys having a good morning? <laughs> Good. I was just so excited I didn't hurt myself. <laughs> things like that are tricky now. You can get hurt. Okay, I've got a, I've got a joke for you. I don't know, I tried this out on my family. They didn't get it. Let's try it. I'm going to try it on you guys. I, I read this online today and laughed out loud. I said to my young nephew... Okay, this is cute things kids say. Okay, maybe a little preface will help. I said to my young nephew many years ago, I hope all of your dreams come true. He looked at me horrified and said, I dreamt a bear ate me. <laughs> So, got to translate things sometimes for the kiddos. All right, let's see, where do I want to land that? Okay, so yeah, we're going to wrap, Well, I don't know if wrap up is the right word, we're going to continue with where we started last week. I called it Crossroads, um, talked about, you know, getting stuck, and we looked at a man named Tara, uh, who, you know, if you know a little bit of Old Testament, uh, Abraham is kind of considered the father of our faith, and God... He had these encounters with God where God promised him, you know, he'd be the father of of nations and chosen people. And he's like, that's weird. I don't even have kids. And, you know, we can't have kids. Apparently, you know, this doesn't seem possible. Um, And then we backed it up a step. And I've always found this verse fascinating in um, Genesis 11, I think. You see Abraham's father, Terah, go through a loss of a child, and then he sets out, it says, to go to Canaan. But then he stops in a place called Haran. And that is where he lived out the rest of his days. And so it, I've been just, for years, this has bothered me. And of course, I didn't ask anybody about it. I just processed it. But that's where this teaching is coming from. And I, I, it gets me thinking, how and why do we get stuck as people in places? He was, and, I, and my question was, and I don't have an answer, did Tara hear from God? That he was to go to the to Canaan, the, the land of God's promise, the land of all this. Did he hear that, and just not have the capacity because of grief, or because of comfort, or because of what whatever he was wrestling with, not have the ability to go all the way through? And so let's pick up today. Um, oh, I do need to clarify. Last week I told you a story about um, you know when we're on a road trip. When we were on a road trip when Jordan was little, and potty training we had a potty seat in the trunk. Okay, So I don't know what images that conjured up for you, but it wasn't like a 1990 Toyota Corolla trunk where they're like in the trunk. It it was a Subaru Outback with a hatchback, okay? So she's not like buried in a trunk going potty. I just needed to clarify if I gave you the wrong image. Still weird, I get it, it's still weird, but you know what, we made it work. Okay, you guys, good with that, or can we move forward now? I just needed to clear the air. <laughs> I forgive you. I, it makes sense now why they came to the house. Okay, all right. Have you have you ever felt overwhelmed by the choices you have in life? Yeah, I I remember going to once or twice a Baskin Robbins. You guys familiar with the store? Woo, woo! Okay, like I think at the time it was 31 or 32 flavors. I pulled up the website just to—they have 42 flavor options now on their website, plus cakes, plus sundaes, plus like I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of ice cream. I remember being so overwhelmed trying to choose an ice cream flavor. Like, okay, first of all, you can get chocolate anywhere, so eh, my favorite, but no, vanilla, always a no. Um, Sherbet, no, that's not even ice cream. Stop it. Bubble gum absolutely not. That's disgusting. Okay. And so even if I rule out all of the flavors that were no on this website, there were still about 10 flavors that I would have to choose from if I wanted ice cream at their shop. And I got to just read through the website. It's not like you have to look at it and go, well, that one's hot pink. I don't think that's even real food. Um, So here's the one. The most interesting one was the breakfast in bed. I was like, I feel like that that is right up my alley. Re- an ice cream named breakfast in bed. It looked like it had some coffee and chocolate flavors mixed in. I was like, that, that sounds like the ice cream for me, especially if I get to eat it in bed. Okay. The most concerning was called wild and reckless Sherbert. First of all, we already covered sherbert. That's a no. Okay. It's, now it's called wild and reckless. Have you guys ever seen the kinetic sand the kids are playing with right now? It's like this magnetic It's it's like sand, really good sand from a beach. It's in really bright colors. Some of you are nodding. Some of you are not. And it's like magnetic. So it's cool. It like sticks together. This wild and reckless sherbert looked like kinetic sand, rainbow kinetic sand. Okay. It was like blue and pink and purple. It didn't even look like, I mean, yeah. So that some choices, right, are an easy no. You're like, that looks terrible. Absolutely not. Okay. So I want... (laughs) All that to say, we come to these places of decisions in life, okay? And it can feel very overwhelming. And and it, the decisions you're facing are probably more important than what ice cream you chose at one moment in life. You know, you can always choose again later if that was a bad choice. Um, but we come to these places of decision in life and intersections. Have you ever found yourself frozen with like the limitless, the seemingly limitless number of choices available? okay. And depending on how you look at it, you can look at it as an unlimited number of mistakes that could be made and possibly one right choice. And we talked about that some last week too. So hopefully you can renew and refresh your mind in some of that. Back in January, I got an office kind of downtown. And, and what I can do is I can look out my office window at the two major intersections in town. And, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a crossroad. It's a big section in... Hold it up. Um, It's our biggest intersection. (laughs) It's got the tourneys and the stoplights and all that. And here's what I've learned just watching out the window. Um, First of all, intersections are noisy. It took me a solid month to figure out what the beep-boop was. Beep-boop. About a couple times in our beep-boop. It's the, the the, what is it called? The crosswalk, you know, for the pedestrians to get a a go-ahead to cross. Beep-boop. Okay. Hear it in my sleep. No. So they're noisy. They're busy. They're dangerous. I've gone out in like a oh my gosh, I need coffee days and crossed the street, and like halfway across the car zooms past me. I'm like, I thought I had the right away. And I look up, I'm like, oh no. The light changed when I was halfway across and and nobody knew it. <laughs> and I'm in the middle of the road. They're dangerous. Um there's a lot going on. People are moving and turning and making decisions. There's signs and stoplights. There's rules about how and when traffic and people and bikes can all engage in that space. Um, There's oblivious people passing through the intersection. (laughs) More than me. I think, I don't know, I've done that twice. I'm like, wake up. Just pay attention. Um, Here's an interesting thing. The people navigating locally, okay, right, so you've got people... They might not be. They might be out of towners. They might be locals. But the people who are looking for food or for shopping or for coffee, uh, gifts, you know, they navigate those intersections. They navigate through the busy places differently than people who are like, "I'm coming from Salida. I'm going to Montrose." Their speed is different. Their focus is different. Um, it's just a whole different feel. Uh, and then there's people who are on vacation who don't have timelines or purposes to being there, they move very differently than even the people who might be local and who are looking for, you know, I just need to go grab my coffee. I need to pick up lunch. I need to go to the gift shop. There's another birthday party, you know, all the things. Okay, they move more slowly. And, and there's this feel, right? They're not on their way to a specific destination in that moment. And so you've got, at these crossroads in life, you've got all of these different things happening. Okay, and then metaphorically, if you will, Jump with me over to that crossroads are the place places of movement of ideas and thoughts and beliefs okay when we talk about crossroads in life or crossroads in culture or crossroads in business you 've got thoughts and ideas and beliefs and all these intersecting things okay how, are, how do we choose what how do we what information do we take in to choose and and where do we go um, it's where Buying and selling of goods happens. You can take on information and beliefs. You can take on um, principles for life. And it's also where community from different areas of life meet and connect. We had a couple friends over Friday for dinner. One works at the coffee shop downtown. Oh, my goodness, he has the stories. Well, you know Crazy Joe. I'm like, I've never heard of Crazy Joe. He's like, oh, let me tell you. So you get, you know, all of the walks of life, all of the people um, coming and navigating this, um, these intersections, okay? So what I don't see a lot of in these intersections are homes. Have you ever, right? We don't see um, families barbecuing on, on the street in these intersections. You don't see the dog running around, maybe the kids playing in the sprinklers. This, it's not where you settle, it's not where you're meant to camp and be and stay. Or, you know, think bigger. Think about the huge overpasses in big cities. Those are stressful. You know, all the whoopsies and windies and directions and you're navigating the the highways and the interstate. There are not many campers set up in those little, sometimes there's little areas in between. There's not people camping there and roasting marshmallows. There aren't white uh, little houses with white picket fences, right, in the middle of those Areas, they're meant to go through. They're meant to direct you. They're meant to get you moving forward. And yet in life and in in how we navigate life and issues and problems and choices, often we end up camped at those places. They're not meant to become dwelling places. I love the imagery. If you guys want to turn to Proverbs 8, which was funny, Boyd went there this morning too. Turn to Proverbs 8. I love the imagery painted for us about crossroads in these verses. Hmm. Verse 1, eight. Uh, Proverbs 8, starting in verse 1. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates of the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud, I call to you, all of you. I raise my voice to all people. I love this imagery. When you are at a place in life that you're meant to go through, choice of decision, choice uh, uh, of choice of just figuring things out, wisdom is there. And I love this imagery, wisdom at the hilltop you know calling out where there's exchange of ideas and beliefs where there's exchange of what you can pick up and carry in your life or lay down in life wisdom is there saying i'm here hear my voice okay wisdom has what you need and here's what wisdom says to you in an intersection life moment okay if you if you i don't want to read the whole chapter to you i i, I do i actually do want to read it all to you but i'm not going to because i know you all can read and go do that yourself later this week and pick up on some of this too. But here's some highlights. Okay? Nothing you desire to gain from the journey ahead is as valuable as wisdom's instruction. Okay, Do not engage in the corrupt and perverse speech or the prideful and arrogant ways of some of the merchants here. Okay, we already talked, there's buying, there's selling, there's ideas, there's beliefs. Don't engage, don't pick up, don't carry away with you things not of wisdom. I offer you insight, success, and strength. With me, with wisdom, you can lead and make just and right decisions. Riches, honor, and enduring wealth and justice are my gifts to you. Boy, just mentioned, you know, how cool that you get um, joy and peace and riches. And it says here in these verses, enduring wealth. And again, we talk about wealth. It is spirit, soul, and body, health, and prosperity in every area of life don't care how much money is in your bank if you're miserable. Okay, these are wisdom's gifts gifts to you. Wisdom is found in righteousness on the paths of justice. And here, verse 17. We talked about this last week. We found this same idea in Jeremiah 11. Those who search for me will find me. You want wisdom? You will find it is available to you. Wisdom is, is calling out to you. Wisdom has what you need. Wisdom is pursuing you i i think i love that in these verses you just hear the i don't know if desperation is the right word but you hear this longing that wisdom says find me choose my ways i have what is good and full of life i have what you need and we come to these intersections in life where maybe pain or regret or fear has crippled us. And we come into these places going, I don't know what to do next. And Wisdom says, seek me. I have what you need for the next season, for the next part of your journey. I have what you need. Okay, so imagine this. Imagine walking through this busy, bustling intersection. And I, I, when I imagine, I know I just painted the picture of downtown Gunnison, but I imagine, you know, early world, you've got dirt roads and caravans and horses and people on foot. It's busy. It's a lot going on in this kind of a trade route. Trade routes merging into one place. There are merchants. There's other travelers. It's crowded and there are a lot of voices calling for your attention. A lot of voices calling for your attention. They too, these other voices, want to influence your journey. They want to load you down with the wares of shame and guilt um, they intend to rob you of your wealth or strength and make it impossible for you to move forward. Also calling, we just said this, also calling out to you in this place is wisdom, positioned at the crossroad to offer you life, strength, and insight for the next part of your journey. You can only fill your pack with, with enough from one vendor, not two or three. We don't pick our ideas, that will load you down, and that will rob you of your strength. That will rob you of your wealth. If I just give a little bit into this, if I give a little bit into arrogance, if I give a little bit into selfish ambition, if I give a little bit into fear, that robs you when wisdom wants to fill you with what you need for the journey ahead. So also call—oh, yeah, we already said that. This reminds me, as I'm saying all this, of James 1, starting in verse 5. It's. <laughs> James says to us, "If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. I think when I think about all the choices we have at the crossroads and all the places we get stuck in life, it comes down to a trust issue: Do you actually trust God? Is God actually as good as he said he says he is or?" let's make it personal is god actually as good to you as he says he is because it's it's easy for us to be like well yeah they're i get why they're so good to so and so i get why god is so good to so and so they they probably deserve it but that good to me Mm. i don't know that feels scary that feels hard that i don't know if i can trust that okay so when you ask him be sure that your faith your trust is in god alone do not waver for a person with divided loyalties as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Okay, we've had the windiest month I have ever experienced in Gunnison. And I've been taking a poll, I've been complaining to a lot of people, and they agree with me. This is terrible. The wind, you feel beat up, you feel beat down, you're just done. And ang- I'm, me, me, I'm done, I'm angry. <laughs> the wind is awful. This is what it feels like. When you're at those crossroads and you're trying to take a little bit of advice from the, from pride, you're taking a little bit of advice from fear, oh, and, and I kind of like what Jesus says over here, kind of like this wisdom from God, but not all of it. You're beat up. You're blown around. You're tossed by the wind. And it says such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. Again, you can't fill your pack with the things from all the merchants that are at the crossroad. And here's a picture I got. Let's say you had a donkey, okay? The donkey can only carry one thing. And so if you're like, okay, I'll put some wisdom here and I'll put some fear and pride and maybe a little mix of Buddhism. I keep saying Buddhism. That's even worse. Don't even mix that with whatever I just mixed it with. Right? I just imagine this donkey, like, I can't even, I'm going to fall over. You're unstable. You're unbalanced. One path, one strength. Okay? Where are we? Okay. So let's look at some of the voices that are at the intersection that we need to be aware of. I'm sure these aren't all of them. Maybe something comes up for you as we talk. Jot that down. Ask God about it. Okay, God. Annie didn't mention this one, so am I in the clear? Eh, Probably not. Annie just missed it because that's not her issue, okay? All right. First one I wrote down was regret. Regret is wondering about what life would be like if other choices were made by you or someone else. Different opportunities have been taken, and it leaves you anchored in the past. It leaves you anchored in those crossroads. It leaves you anchored in the past unable to move forward. There's a story, uh, you guys are familiar, are you familiar with the, um, what is it called? C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, there, it's, it's several books. So one of the books is called Prince Caspian. And so we've got our cute little younger sister. So there's four siblings and they get to travel to this magical world where Aslan is the king and he represents kind of a Jesus figure. He represents a Jesus figure in that story. And so these children are in Narnia, this land, and Lucy's the youngest, and she has a really special, woo, it's really not fair that Boyd gets up and makes us cry first. I just feel like that's a not a fair setup for me. Um She's the youngest. She's a really special relationship with Aslan. She sees him she, more than the others do often and um, gets to experience him in different ways. So they're on this journey trying to, I don't even remember the whole story, you know, trying to save the day in some way and get, get where they need to go. And she sees Aslan several times. And at first she tries to speak up to her brothers and sisters and say, I think we need to go this way. I think we need to go this way. And they, they dismiss her. She's the youngest. She's, you know, immature and small and, you know, all the things. And so she ends up, she, keeps, she sees him a couple more times and has given up telling her siblings about seeing him and feeling we need to actually go this route to get where we're going. And sure enough, they don't go the route she suggested and they end up in more trouble than than they could have, I guess. And so they, they, they get where they need to go and Aslan comes to them and comes to her and she says... Um, Basically, she says, Aslan, if I had obeyed you from the get-go, C.S. Lewis phrases it a lot more eloquently, "Um, would everything have been different? Would it have been okay? Would we have gotten there sooner? And and he says this. I don't know why I'm crying. To know what would have happened, child? (laughs) No. Nobody's ever told that. Why do we worry about what would have happened? How it could have been? We're not told that. We're in this day. With these choices we've made, with the wrongs we've faced, with the things that have come against us, we don't get to ask, why wasn't it different? Or how could it have been different? (laughs) Why does Annie cry? We don't know. (laughs) Nobody has ever told that. (laughs) Gosh. Gosh. Okay, these wonderings leave you anchored to the past. What comes to my mind is this, this verse that we don't often use in this context, but give us this day our daily bread. There's no more bread for yesterday. Yesterday's bread is gone, and if you tried to keep it, it's moldy. That's how the story goes. Tomorrow's provision will be there when you get there. There is enough grace for the healing and restoration you need this day. Can't look back. We look forward, but not... In that way. So repent if you need to repent for, you know, regret and past and whatever. And then trust that God is good and He does work all things together. He takes all of those pieces and makes them more beautiful than we could imagine. I have this written down. If you're always thinking of what is behind you, you will find a hundred ways to go back. And remember, we looked at Jeremiah 29 last week. God reminds the Hebrew people that he will come and do all the things he promised. He, he doesn't tell them, remember how good it was at home. Remember how good that was. If only you hadn't, if only you had obeyed me and listened, we wouldn't be here. He says, no, I know you're here now. Let's see what's next. Let's look ahead. Look, I'm in your future. I'm making a way. Okay, the next one I have written down is fear. And so I just don't touch my nose a hundred times. Let me do this. And out of time. Fear. Not really. I can get a lot done in 13 minutes, you guys. Mom. Okay, fear. Fear of failure, fear of missing out, fear of punishment, fear of facing something from the past. Fear of humiliation, of trying something and not getting it right, of you know, fear of rejection. And fear of having to go through something hard again. So facing something from the past and and having to do something hard again. There are things in life you can only get through by going back. And I know that's kind of contrary to what I just said about regret. I'm not talking about regret. I'm talking about you've got to address the things that cause you pain and that were disappointments or failures. You've got to address them and pull up the ugly, messy, messiness of all of it and allow God to heal it, or you will keep repeating it. Here's the thing. That's why forgiveness is so strong. Because if you don't forgive what happened to you, you repeat it. You repeat the wrong against you. Maybe not in the exact same way. But that same spirit comes out again. Okay, fear looks like this. Again, trust. You don't believe God is really good or can bring you through the hard places. So you control and plan and isolate and avoid avoid taking on new challenges and work really hard to stay safe. What happens is you're not safe, you're stuck. You might be safe, but you're stuck. Okay, love casts out fear. You're not gonna be punished for stepping out or trying. God is not gonna punish you. He's not mad at you for stepping out and trying and trying to find growth and life and pursue things. You're actually reducing your life. If you're, if you're living in fear, if you're finding fear popping up, you're reducing your life. So let God's love fill you with courage to try again. Okay, comfort. This is the, the next one. Comfort keeps you stuck. This was interesting. God started talking to me about this. Look, growing and learning and building a meaningful life is hard work. Getting over your issues, getting over wrongs against you, it is hard work. And it's challenging to grow and change. And here's the picture I saw in this children are brilliant, it's actually proven. Children up till age five all register, most register um, at a genius IQ level. The older they get, that diminishes. I don't, I I find it, I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus says, be childlike. Right? What does that mean? Children are curious and creative. They're brilliant. They want to know how things work. Their imaginations still work. Right? We have a pet unicorn in our backyard, guys. My 11-year-old, almost 11-year-old, starts starting to like, be like, okay. I'm like, no, we do. Their imaginations are fun and working, and the way they put things together is so cool in their, in their head. So instead of finding our way back to our child, childlike nature, because that's hard, because we want to protect or control, um, we compromise the vision, we downsize our dreams, and we settle for a life of comfort. And here's the thing, we get stuck when we confuse rest with comfort. Those are different. The rest that we find in God is a rest from performing, rest from selfish achievement. Okay, I keep saying it that way because achievement is not wrong. Growing, pursuing, building, being successful is not wrong. Selfish achievement is. If that brings, sparks anything in you, please pursue that with God, okay? Okay. Um, it's, it's rest from earning our right to be called his son or daughter. God's rest and peace are powerful for any situation in life. He never promises we'll have a comfortable life. But he says, I'm there. I have rest for you. I have peace for you. And when we get comfortable, we have stopped moving forward. We have stopped growing and we have stopped trusting God. The road ahead looked too hard. The merchants at the crossroads offered a version of rest, maybe. That's only a perversion. Comfort is a perversion. And here's the thing. Contentment and stalling out in a comfortable place are not the same either. You can be content in where you are now and yet not satisfied and want to grow and want to pursue and want to create and and build, you know, keep pressing in. Keep learning, um, and here's what comfort tells you. Here's the lie: it will tell you that you've done enough good, you've done good enough, kiddo. You can, you can pull back. You don't have to press as hard. You don't have to do as much. You, you can take a little nap now. You deserve to stop trying so hard. Okay, that's those are lies that will keep you stuck. And here's the thing: rest actually comes from a position of belief. Unbelief might be more comfortable, but it's going to leave you restless, agitated, and stuck. Real rest requires faith. And wisdom says it's time to put your faith to work again and get moving out of the intersection. Okay, here's another one. This isn't as fun. Gosh, guys, I thought I had not as much. You guys ready for this one? Deep breath. It's like when the chiropractor is about to adjust something, and you just got to relax and do it, and it's only going to hurt for a second, okay? Okay because you love drama. You're stuck because you love drama. Here's the thing. When you go through something hard, there is a beautiful connection to Jesus. Jesus is near the brokenhearted. What I have found is that it becomes hard to leave that behind. So I wonder how often we create more drama and cycles in our life where we won't leave the pain behind because well, that's where Jesus was. Look, Jesus is with you in the good and the joy too. Remember that moment. Remember those sweet times. But don't stay in the pain. Stay in the hope of Jesus. Okay? We've got to learn how to stay close to Jesus outside of trauma and drama. Okay, and I, real Oh gosh, sorry guys. I am, did not plan it well. So drama looks like always being sick, always having a conflict with someone, always needing a miracle, continually bringing up past hurts and wounds, regularly being rushed, too busy and overwhelmed. Okay, when it it feels like if I'm I'm busy, if I'm overwhelmed, there's always a challenge, I'm actually moving forward in life. Look, all you're doing at this intersection, it's a roundabout and you're just doing laps. I just heard a story, (laughs) same friends on Friday night. They're fascinating. They're like, I have a friend on Strava who just did a 100-mile bike ride in a roundabout. And I was like, what size roundabout? Because, you know, there's some really big roundabouts. He's like, no, just a normal roundabout. I was like, okay, did you, did you call a doctor? <laughs> okay, how many of you are exhausted and tired and you, because you think you're moving forward? Guys, you're stuck in the roundabout. It's time to take an exit. It's time to pick. I don't care which one. Just Go. Okay, the the last one I have is grief, pain, and disappointment. Okay, these are hard emotions. How many of you love feeling hard emotions? Unless you're in the drama cycle. Just kidding. (laughs) Sorry. See, you adjusted? You good? Got that? Okay. We don't want to feel hard feelings. We don't want to feel hard things. Here's what I will think. We don't want to feel them, but we don't want to go through them. We want to be rescued from them. Okay, okay. In our deepest pain, there is a revelation of God's love and his goodness and his grace. And we only find some of those pieces, some of that revelation in those valleys of life, in the shadows of life, okay? Many of my prayers during difficult and dark times came down to this in in a nutshell. God, please fix this situation and fix me. You know, he didn't actually miraculously take away the negative emotions, He walked me through them. He healed them in process and relationship. And here's the thing. I think we vilify negative emotions. And my favorite picture of emotions is this. This is from Abby Stumball. And I I feel like she even got it from somewhere else. But I don't know. I'll give her credit. She says, emotions are like children. You don't let them drive the car. You also don't stick them in the trunk. You're gonna be in trouble either way, okay? You have to put them in their proper place in your life. And sometimes we just have to face them. Sometimes we just have to walk through them. And look, aren't we essentially asking God to take away our humanity when we're like, take away these emotions. I don't like these ones, they're uncomfortable. Jesus wept. Jesus was angry. God is a jealous God. Those aren't all happy emotions. It's part of our humanity, and it's part of a tool set to walk us through the hard places in life so don't stuff them because they'll explode later in worse ways don't let them drive the car they can't control your life that and that's what it boils down to when you read some of the scriptures about anger and some of these things we don't let them control our life but we have a proper place they their warning lights their signals hey we need to address something here and i'll say this really quickly you know i think we often treat sadness or grief or pain as these painful emotions we have as sin or as oh well if you really were with god enough you wouldn't feel those that's not fair and for, and, and the verses i read about emotions and about things that says don't let these control you that's where you get into trouble that's where the sin comes in don't let them control you So be angry and don't sin. Grieve and don't sin. Speak the truth and don't sin. Desire love and don't sin. Have ambition and sin and don't sin. (laughs) Sorry. (sighs) I'm trying to wrap this up. You guys got it? You guys good? Did you translate that? Okay. Okay, so I think we get stuck at intersections when we deny that we're human and that the very thing that makes us human comes from the nature of God. So let's wrap this up. I think the worst decisions people make often or always come from a place of avoiding pain, ignoring grief, and generally not dealing with the heart issues internally. Yeah. So what do you do? I found this verse in James 5.13 super helpful. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic. It says, Is anyone among you afflicted, ill-treated, or suffering evil? He should pray. Is anyone glad at heart? He should sing praise to God. Okay, look, what do you do in these painful places? You talk to God. Talk to God. Here's how I'm feeling. Get real with him. You're not not trying to impress him. He's not impressed. He loves you. He knows what you're struggling with, but you need to tell him so that you know what you're struggling with. Okay? And then ask him to reveal the lies that you're believing about the situation or about yourself. Let him into your human story. One, la- one story. A long time ago, Jordan was little. <laughs> All the best things happened when Jordan was little. My little firecracker. This had nothing to do with her. I just, I have to, like, that's how I track time, I guess. She was little. <laughs> Pre-Harper, post-Jordan, like, you know. I got this succulent. And those are just little, they're not cactuses, but they're, they don't need much water, but it's Colorado. So I overwater everything because it's dry. And so because I overwatered it, it got super leggy and long. You know, they're supposed to just be cute little like leaves in the bowl and it got super leggy and there were things everywhere and it got knocked over and there were leaves everywhere and there was dirt everywhere and it snapped and broke. I was so sad. I was like, it's ruined. It's ruined. Um, and I almost threw it away, but right before I did, I had the thought to see what my trusted advisor knew about succulents. So Professor Google sent me several research papers uh, explaining that by taking off those leaves, those broken leaves, if you pop them off the stem just right and you lay them on a bed of dirt, you know, in a pot, water them sparingly, each leaf will create a new plant. Right? Okay. Thank you, Professor Google save the plant. And now we have so many of those plants in my house. We give them away for gifts. We, they're, they're everywhere. It's amazing. Um, we've, yeah. So here's what I think. I wonder if God views our brokenness differently. Like all of these things, regret, pain, fear, grief, okay? They're, they're areas where we've been broken and we're just stuck in a different way. We see a shattered heart, dream, or relationship. God sees a thousand little seeds that can be nurtured to bring the most beautiful garden, full of life, full of nourishment for others, full of protection and provision. When that plant was knocked over, I thought it was dead. I didn't know I had a hundred little seeds, maybe 50. A hundred sounded better. How good is our God to have placed seeds into every situation you would face in life seeds in your heart, seeds in your soul that will only be revealed in the hardest and darkest moments. But you've got to do the work. Don't just throw it out. Don't just bury it. Okay, these are seeds of encounter, seeds of compassion, seeds of healing and revelation and freedom that if you will take the broken places and allow God to nurture them with you and to really heal them those are promises. Those are seeds that you can deposit into the people around you, okay? So how to get unstuck, listen to wisdom crying out at the intersection. Wisdom doesn't always look safe, but can be trusted. Falling wisdom is not comfortable. You will be challenged to grow and increase. Allow yourself to be human and have human experiences. And remember this, you're called to God. You're not called to a purpose or a job or a situation, a church, a calling. You are called to be God's first, his child, his in relationship with him. And then from that, these other things grow. And you are safe in God. You can trust him. Okay, when you're feeling stuck, keep doing what you do know to do and choose to risk and take the next steps. God wants to equip you with everything you need. He really does. And then here's the last part. To get unstuck, we have to stop the feedback loop. Do you guys know what a feedback loop is? Where, um, this is how I understand it. You know, if I walked over in front of the speakers, my voice is coming out of the speakers and back into the mic, and then it just creates this swirl. When we are stuck, what happens is we're either isolating or only surrounding ourselves with other people that are stuck. It's so important that you have friendships and relationships that will speak into your life, Stop those feedback loops because what happens when it's just you swirling in your own head, you get this feedback loop and it gets bigger and it gets louder and it gets bigger and it gets louder until it's so overwhelming that you feel like that is the only truth, that is the only thing that is happening in this world, that is the only thing available. You've got to have people in your life that'll go, er, that's a lie you're believing. I mean, this happen yeah, anyway. So be in relationship with people, real relationship with people where you share those things. Okay, so let's finish Proverbs 8, in, um, verse 32 and 36. So my children, listen to me. This is wisdom speaking again. Listen to me, for all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves all who hate me love death. So, on that note, <laughs> um, awesome. So, that's what I have for you today. You guys want to stand up? I'll pray for you. Um, hmm. Father God, I just, I thank you so much. You are in this place, and I thank you that your word has spoken to so many hearts today. God, for those feeling stuck, for those feeling abandoned, for those feeling. Um, like they are just in a swirl and they don't know how to get out of it. God, I just thank you right now that the, the lies are broken. The feedback loop is broken. The, the areas where it feels like everything has been shattered, God, I think you, begin, you just keep speaking promise and life into their souls. That, God, those seeds, that your seeds would begin to sprout. Those seeds would begin to bring new life and new hope and new purpose and new identity and, and new um, resources to pour into others. I thank you, God, you don't waste anything. You make all things new, and you really, really, really are that good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, guys, let's say on the count of three, Jesus is Lord. Okay, uh, grab a card on your way out, or ten cards. Grab the cards you reserved, if you reserved them, and then if you didn't reserve them, wait until after everybody else has grabbed them. Okay, on the count of three, Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin and the world. I still have to read it. Isn't that funny? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.